It's time for the fastest hour of radio, Southern Race Week, with your host, William Barber. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this edition of Southern Race Week. I am William Barber, and here on Southern Race Week, we cover it for you lap by lap and give you the best coverage in 60 minutes you can possibly expect. Radio or on your favorite podcast location. And we could not do this show without the best producer to the stars. Guy sitting high atop his pit box as always. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the man himself, the legend, Alfie! Thank you, William Barber. Glad to be back with you again this week. That's right, the podcast, which is available as always on iHeartRadio, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and it's available every Monday morning. Make sure you get up there and grab it if you miss out on anything, or if you want to hear any of the uh, past interviews and programs, that we have all of that available for you by the Southern Race Week podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, SoundCloud. If you like and follow or subscribe, that uh, as soon as uh, as soon as the new uh, episode is posted up, you get a notification about it. That's how I like it. See, because then it's like, boop, but there it is. Oh, I can listen to it. Okay, goodness gracious. That's I right. can let my wife hear it again and again, over and over again. Yeah, All so right, let's get to it. Go to the podcast. Go to the podcast. All right, this week on uh, um, Southern Race Week, Jamie Little from me, and it's going to be doing an uh, interview with her. She is now going to be doing play-by-play with the ARCA series. Then I'm going to catch up with Ted Madman Austin to talk about the short track race in action. And Alfie, who else do you have? Yes, right. Then we talk with Cup Series driver Matt Benedetto, the driver of the Woods Brothers, number 21 machine, and we're going to discuss, you know what, William, people always say that uh, drivers are not athletes. They just get in a car and go around in circles. But uh, I'm going to ask Matt about his workout regimen because he has a very extensive workout regimen that he does to prepare for every race every weekend. So we're going to kind of talk a little bit of what it does to uh, prepare himself physically and even mentally as well for the uh, grueling, grueling NASCAR Cup Series schedule so very interesting to learn a little bit about what he does to work out and prepare himself for races every week hello my name is gracie trotter i'm driver of the 25 and 15 mobile one toyota camry for venture new motorsports and you're listening to southern race week hello and welcome back to this week's edition of southern race week radio for you along the far-flung southern race week radio network at southie delivering to you yet another edition of the southern race week broadcast along with the podcast i have a special guest on the Food Depot hotline. And I want to spend as much time as this person as I have available to me. I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I've had, I've interviewed the biggest names in the sport, in baseball, all throughout my illustrious radio career. And I got to tell you, for the first time, I'm actually nervous about an interview. So let's do this. Hopefully it goes well. Ladies and gentlemen, let's head on over to the Food Depot hotline and welcome in from Fox's coverage of NASCAR. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Jamie. That was awesome. I am a big fan of yours. I've admired your career. I've watched you ever since you started back on the other network that you started at. And then you uh, transferred over to uh, Fox Television to help them with their NASCAR coverage. How did the motorsports bug bite you? 
it's a long story, but um, I was just a tomboy. I grew up in Lake Tahoe, so outdoors. I loved everything with a motor for some reason. I just loved it. I loved the smell. I loved riding a dirt bike. I just loved it. And when I became a teenager, I met a guy who raced dirt bikes, and I just thought, man, this is really cool. And um, I hung out with him and his buddies, and I learned to ride dirt bikes for real, and um, I just loved it. And when I was about 18, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Do I go to college? What do I do? And um, it dawned on me at, at some point that, you know what, there are no women talking about this sport. Like, I love it. You know, there's got to be other females that like it. And um, why not me? Why, why can't I be the one bringing these stories to those fans? And, um, and I went up to a guy with an ESPN microphone and said, hey, this is what I want to do. How do I get into it? And he's like, I'm freelance. You can come along, learn the ropes with me if you want. Help me out. And uh, I did that. So long story short, wow. um, yeah, I paid my dues for a long time. Did that for like two years, not getting paid and just fell in love with racing more and more. Got to know all the riders and became a live announcer for the Supercross series, traveled all over the country. And then I found the right person at ESPN to go to and, and say, hey, you know, I want to I want to do TV. And they gave me a shot and I uh, did X Games. And then that led into IndyCar and um, and then NASCAR starting in 07. As you said, there weren't a lot of female broadcasters in your day, especially in the NASCAR world. So now that you're predominantly on television, you've been on for so many years. When you go to the tracks and, and get ready to do your work, is it cool for you to see how many little girls or maybe females come up to you and say, you know what? I want to do what you do. I want to go down that route. For you, do you feel like you're a pioneer in women broadcasting, especially in motorsports? <laughs> um, yeah, well, just being one of the first. You know, there's a lot of other women. There's women that came before me, but just not a lot of us when you look at, you know, the faces in the garage. And, and when I have those younger girls, or there's so many younger men, too, that yeah. want to get into race broadcasting and to hear from them and that they've they've watched me since they were little, I mean, that means the world to me. And if they see me as a pioneer, then that's awesome. If, if I help open the eyes for somebody wanting to get into the sport or, heck, just want to be a fan of it, but they like it and became a fan because it's relatable with the female face, then that's awesome. Um, that means a lot to me. And when you look around the garage now, you see the females, whether it's race engineers, tire specialists, mechanics and girls in the media i mean there's there's women more and more in there now not enough but definitely more than there was when i first started as i said before we started i'm also another admirer of your work i've followed your career uh and uh, i remember my first race in landometer speedway i was covering for the media and i remember seeing you walk by me and it was like in awe i was just in awe of you as you walked by i was like wow there's jamie little right there doing what she does <laughs> And there'd be times where I'd follow you as you did your job up and down pit road. And it's a crazy, crazy job that you do uh, covering pit road. And congratulations to you because you are now the official play-by-play -play voice for the ARCA series for Fox, which is a huge, huge deal. Let me ask you real quick, your preparation for doing a pit road reporting to play-by-play -play in the booth, do you approach it differently or do you approach those two roles the same? You know, now that I do have one under my belt, my approach was very similar in, in the way that I gathered information, met with the drivers, you know, did Zoom calls. Then when we got to the racetrack, I went down and, and met a lot of them. And 
that's the same thing that I do for the Xfinity series or cup or trucks, whatever. Because to me, knowledge is power. And when you get it straight from the horse's mouth, you get these updates, these news nuggets, whatever. That to me is your bread and butter. You know, you can look at stats, you can read press releases, but it's the stuff that I get directly from them that is everything in the job. And that's what you bring that's unique to the viewers listening and watching at home. So my approach was very similar, but once you're in the booth, I mean, it is a totally different feel. You're calling the whole race. You're not just monitoring your certain drivers. You need to know something on everyone. You need to be able to have that conversation with Phil Parsons, who's next to me, and Chase Briscoe was in the booth as well. So to spread that information together, you know, if I bring something up on a driver, I don't want to just be reporting on it. I need to open that conversation up to them and let them talk about the expertise you know, what they know of that driver and what they're thinking and feeling. So there's definitely nuances. I think the booth, the biggest thing that's different is, you know, you're the air traffic controller. <laughs> you're going, you know, from break and, and throwing to break. And, um, you know, there's all kinds of things, the advertisements. There's all kinds of things that I don't have to worry about as a pit reporter. Speaking with Jamie Little here on uh, Southern Race Week Radio as we discuss her illustrious 20-year career in broadcasting for ESPN, Fox, and everything that she does. You've done so many things. Like, looking through your resume here, it's just extensive, everything that you've done. Can you pick one particular moment that stands out for you as far as, like, wow, I can't believe I'm a member of the media and I'm here covering this amazing event? Is there one event that jumps out at you more than any of the others? Um, yeah, there's been different moments. I mean, from X Games, Travis Pastrana landing the first double backflip, being part of that, just being there for the first backflip of Mike Metzger. Um, and then my first Indy 500 on pit road, no woman had ever been part of the coverage on pit road for a broadcast of the Indy 500. And to be there, knowing what I was part of, you know, not so much looking at it as like, oh, no females done this. It was like, the company that I was in, all those other broadcasters that I worked with that have been there and so well-respected. They've been there forever. So that was a huge moment for me to do that broadcast. My first Daytona 500 um, in 2015 was a big moment. Um, you know, interviewing Jeff Gordon on his last Daytona 500. I mean, just, there's just those moments that to me, in my mind, are so big. And, and of course, you know, being part of the Arkham Menard series broadcast and, and the first time a woman had done television play-by-play, play, that in my mind, that was a really big deal. There was a lot of pressure, but that's what I love. I love being, you know, held up to something and, and people expecting you to be great and being able to deliver under pressure. I, I like those situations. And tell me about that conversation, that call, when Fox comes to you and says, you know what, we want to uh, give you the keys to be the voice of the Arca series for Fox. Uh, I mean, a man or a woman, that is a huge responsibility, as you said, and quite an honor. Uh, so for you to gain this recognition, does it show you the appreciation that Fox has for all the work that you've done for them and, and giving you this opportunity? Because they could have given it to anybody, but to give it to you, that's quite an opportunity for you personally. Absolutely. And that was a big part of it that I wanted to deliver for them. I wanted to make them proud. My bosses who believed in me trusted me to not make them look bad because this is unchartered territory that they believed enough to give me that opportunity. You know, I owe it all to them because I was at another network that I didn't get those opportunities to try new things. And mm -hmm. Fox, every time I've come to them and said, I wanted to do something, they let me do it. They let me try and they do that with all their talent that it really helps you grow. 
if there's something that you don't know if you're good at and you really want to try it, I mean, they'll give you a chance. And the only way to do it is on national TV. So it's taking a big risk. So I really wanted to deliver for them in particular. And, you know, I always say the analogy is, you know, if it wasn't for Bobby Rahal, Danica Patrick wouldn't be Danica Patrick. She had the skill set. She had the talent to drive a race car. But until you get the opportunity to shine in good equipment, like for me, to shine on national TV to show what I can do, then nobody knows that you're capable of it. So I feel like it's, it was the same opportunity, and I'm very thankful. And I hope that it opens more doors for other women that are out there wanting to do the same thing. Now, I follow you on social media, and I got to tell you, you are, you are a – I would I would love to hire you as my bodyguard. I mean, seriously, you are <laughs> constantly working out, keeping yourself in shape. Tell me about your workout regimen. Is it uh, is it change from season to off season to now? You're in the middle of a season. How often do you work out? <laughs> it's harder for sure when you're on the road, especially Daytona. The last two weeks of Daytona, I hardly worked out because I'm at the track running around the whole time. The last thing you want to do is go work out. But um, yes, in the winter in Indianapolis, it's so darn cold. I don't do my traditional sandbag workouts as much because I don't want to work out feeding my breath. It's just too cold. <laughs> um, but I've been doing something called Orange Theory. But I, I'm all about high-intensity interval training. So your heart rate's up high. You're lifting weights and you're doing cardio at the same time. But sandbags are my thing. So that's what you're referring to on social media. Every so often I'll post my workout because people are just, they're so intrigued by it because it's easy to get a sandbag and work out anywhere. And you're, you know, you could take it on the road with you and buy some $5 sand, fill it up. You can do a whole workout and it's amazing. I swear by it. I've done it for like three years now. <laughs> well, if our listeners want to follow you on social media, because uh, I do follow you on Twitter and it's a lot of fun to follow you, you have some great information, great uh, tweets going out there. If they want to follow you, how can they uh, do that? You can follow me at Jamie Little TV. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Hey everyone, it's Jeb Burton, driver number 10, Nutrinex Solutions Chevrolet, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. All right, everyone, welcome back to this edition of Southern Race Week right here in your great racing station. As always, we like to head on over to the uh, the, the Atlanta Motor Speedway break room uh, slash the conference room and president of uh, everything that uh, anybody else doesn't have to do. Uh, he'll he'll pick up the ball and run with it, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome to the short track hotline none other than okay. Ted Austin. Wow! Yeah, yeah, man. I didn't realize I had that many fans. You do, man. You do. <laughs> you know, people are. You know, people say, "I, oh, you know, I'm measured by the number of uh, likes I got on a post on Instagram." Bull crap! You're measured by your applause. <laughs> You're measured by your applause. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I'm, I'm more used to the, I'm more used to the, if you ever played that that super checks hockey game like you see at the arcades. There, I'm dating myself, aren't I? Yeah, the yeah, old yeah, arcades. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is used to have that boo. Used to have that boo button. You know, yeah, that boo. boo. That that would be more appropriate, I think. Let's talk about last weekend's events. I mean, the the racing and the short track action is starting to kick up. Last weekend, what was the what was the top story of uh, of the racing series? Well, the doubleheader up in South Carolina with the Extreme Dirt Car Series is what headlined last weekend's racing action on uh, 
Uh, Lakeview Motor Speedway hosted the Extreme Dirt Series. Ross Bales uh, collected the money and the checkered flag there. Uh, the very next night, he was over at uh, Cherokee uh, Speedway up in Gaffney, South Carolina, for the Frostbite 40. Uh, Ross Bales, though, ran into a juggernaut at the uh, Cherokee Speedway, the man who dominates whenever he's there, the man who's the man to beat whenever you go super late model racing up at Cherokee, and that is, of course, uh, Smoky Christmas. Madden. Uh, he dominated as he usually does there uh, as uh, as he has for so many years at Cherokee Speedway, but Chris Madden walked away. Bales had to settle for second at the Frostbite 40. Kyle Strickler was third after sitting on the pole. Adam Yarbrough and Stuart Friesen rounded out your first five. So uh, with the Frostbite 40 up at Cherokee, it officially starts the racing season here in uh, uh, upper uh, North Georgia as well as South Carolina and the Southeast. Don't forget folks now here on Southern race week, not only on the radio, but at your favorite podcast location, whether you're looking for us, uh, iTunes, Spotify, or on the iHeartRadio app, we're here for you. And, uh, this is Ted Austin. If this is your first time of, uh, joining in with us, uh, let me ask you, Ted, the big racing action is going to kick up, uh, with a little bit of asphalt stuff in the, in the horizon. Let's kick it off, uh, like five. Five Flags Speedway and, and Cochran and a whole lot more, right? Yep, Timmy down at Five Flags Speedway uh, this weekend coming up has the Arca Menard Series. They just competed down at Daytona International Speedway. They were down at New Smyrna Speedway, um, but they're coming to Five Flags Speedway for the Pensacola 200. That takes place this weekend. If you want to see those cars and stars at Five Flags Speedway, you got to buy a ticket this weekend. It's going to be a great show. Tim always does a good job down there, and uh, uh, with the Arca Menard Series uh, with those full bodied cars uh it'll be a cool show to see so that's a ticket that that you're going to want to get montgomery motor speedway has the hunt for the bear 57th annual alabama 200 taking place on march 5th and 6th so uh stan narison and his staff over there are looking forward to getting their season kicked off and then of course south alabama motor speedway has the rattler and the and the opener for the southern super series on march 12th 13 and 14. So not only is the dirt side of things getting going, but so is the asphalt side of things as uh, short track racing fires up with fans in the stands, I might add, for 2021. Now, if you're, uh, if you're been a living under a rock and uh, the name uh, Stan Nerson uh, doesn't uh, come to the top of your head there, <laughs> uh, you, you, you've been living under a rock for a long time because now an, a track that Stan was so well known for, I hear, uh, is a that's been closed for a while. Stan was so well known for running it for so many years. It is maybe coming back running some legends races with Lanier Speedway. That's Tell right. me about that. Tell me about that. Right. It, it, it hasn't been closed. It's just not been used as what it has been used so greatly in the past for. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the deal is just about done. Uh, the ink isn't on the paper yet, but it's going to be here in the next few days. Um, but Lanier Speedway is going to re- reopen here in July. They're going to run uh, four Legends car and Bandolero car events. It's going to be part of the Thursday Thunder Racing Series. It's a, 
there's going to be six races here at Atlanta Motor Speedway and then four races at the Lanier Raceplex now is what it's called. Um, Ken Reagan has struck a deal with uh, Doug Stevens and Mays Massey. They're, they're very well known in their short track circles as yep. well yep. Um, to produce those four events up at Lanier. So some Legends cars, some Bandolero cars, and Lanier uh, racing on the asphalt uh, returns, it looks like, here in July. Well, that's going to be great news. And and talking about uh, other great opportunities for, for people to go see some racing and talking about dirt, Atlanta Motor Speedway, over the next, uh, once we get the March race for the NASCAR boys and girls out of the way, Atlanta Motor Speedway is going to turn into a dirt fest and look like a construction zone going out there, man. <laughs> the NASCAR circles is, of course, everybody quite familiar with the dirt going on Bristol and seeing the trucks and the cars out there practicing this past week has been really cool to see but uh here in atlanta we're also going to put dirt down a little bit of a different scenario than what they're doing up at bristol is we're going to race motorcycles and do monster trucks but yeah we're putting dirt in here starting the first week of april it'll stay in the facility through the first week of may we'll have uh three ama monster energy drink supercross races taking place uh april 10 13 and 17 then they'll reconfigure everything and create the Monster Jam uh, arena for four Monster Jam events taking place over April 24 and 25. Then they'll take about all that Monster Jam stuff. They'll lay down the track for the American Flat Track Series. They're going to be in here on Sunday or Saturday, March, uh, May the 1st uh, for their show. So uh, a month of dirt racing action motorcycles and monster trucks at Atlanta Motor Speedway. So it's kind of cool. We've got a, a full calendar of events all the way through our second race in July. And unfortunately, we lost a legend here in Georgia this past week with uh, the passing of Mike Head. Tell me about that, man. Yeah, Mike, uh, you know, um, a legend in dirt track racing, a legend of racing here Period. in this neck of the woods and, and, and really across the nation is uh, a Hall of Fa- dirt race Hall of Famer, a Georgia Auto Racing Hall of Famer, a, a champion with the Southern All-Stars, a champion on, on just about every circuit out there, competed in the old Habit Tampa series years ago, yep. started off racing at the local track, Sonoy Raceway, uh, Five Flags, uh, uh um, Douglasville, uh, a lot of different tracks in the southeast that he won signature events at, and uh, he's been battling health things for about oh, the past half year, I guess. But he succumbed to the, the to those health issues this past Monday. Uh, he'll be laid to rest this weekend, and uh, just a, a sad day. As, as Mike was a a great mentor for many drivers, a great friend to so so many people, uh, a fan favorite for years, and always a smile on his face and a and a willing uh, ear to, to talk racing, and uh, he will be he'll be sorely missed uh, in the in the short track world here uh, in and around Georgia and the Southeast. Hey, this is Mike Bagley of Motor Racing Network and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. You, my friends, are listening to Southern Race Week. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of Southern Race Week Radio for you along the far flung Southern Race Week Radio Network at Southie bringing you yet again another brand new week's edition of the program. We got another great guest here, and we don't want to waste any time. We head on over to the uh, Food Depot Zoom line and welcome in from an undisclosed location somewhere in the United States of America. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in the driver of the number 21 car for the Woods Brothers, the Ford Mustang. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Mr. Matt D. Bennett! 
<laughs> Quite the intro. Hey, when we have a big deal guest on, we want to make sure we welcome him in in a, a big, big deal style, Mr. D. Benedetto. We appreciate the time uh, you're giving us here to join us this week on Sunday Race Week Radio. This is your third appearance on our programs, and congratulations. You have now earned the honor a friend of the show. So congratulations. You'll receive a trophy and a certificate in the mail within the next few weeks. So congratulations, sir. Uh, quite an honor for you. Let's get into uh, let's, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this thing here. Before we get talking about the season and everything, I've gone to a lot of races. I've seen a lot of driver intros. They seem to always have, you know, generic music for all the drivers to come out. Every now and then you have a race that I think you guys get to pick your walkout music. But, you know, I've gone to a lot of baseball games where I see a lot of walk-up songs for different players. If you had the opportunity to pick your song to come out to when you're being announced for a race, do you have a song that you would like to have your walk-up theme be? At Bristol in 2019, when we almost won that uh, night race in the 95 car, we chose our intro song, and uh, I actually chose the uh, theme song from a Rocky movie. So um, so the Rocky uh, theme song, that was uh, perfect. I feel like it's very fitting uh, to my entire career and my career path and the struggles I've gone through and the, you know, some of the defeat and the, the tough battles and, and all that. And then we go out there that night and uh, uh, lead all the way until the, uh, the very end of that thing and get a little damage from uh, Ryan Newman. And uh, we end up finishing second and coming that close was so painful. So I think uh, uh, it was just fitting for her, for, uh, you know, my career and the battles I've endured and, and overcame a lot. I've been really lucky to get to where I am. You know, bringing up that race, that's really awesome because I think that was the race where I think a lot of fans got introduced to who Matt Benedetto was because they saw the emotion. They saw, I think a lot of people were cheering for you, even though they didn't know who you were. Since then, seeing the, um, the fan base that has grown more and more for you as your career has grown, how do you feel about that race kind of opening the door to this new fan base of people who probably didn't know who you were before that race. Yeah, man, that was really special, you know, coming that close to the win and have seeing the fans reaction, how much they were pulling for us, like absolutely broke me down. It was just an amazing, crazy moment where I didn't know what to feel. And, uh, but it was a turning point for my career also. So I was, although it still eats me alive that we lost that race. Um, it, it, it changed the trajectory of the rest of my career. You know, the fans, uh, their, their reaction, their support, um, gaining that, you know, uh, support from so many people and then getting the opportunity to drive for the Wood Brothers, you know, after that, it, that, that day changed my life. Speaking with Matt D. Benedetto here, driver the number 21 car for the Woods Brothers. And uh, speaking of the Woods Brothers, you've been with them for now the last, you know, last few years. You guys have, you know, getting the season underway here. Uh, so far with the, the few events that you have under your belt so far, uh, how do you feel the team is doing and progressing as you guys have started from speed weeks up to now? You know, I think uh, obviously Daytona 500 was was tough for us. That that stuff can happen. We had a really fast car and then we got uh, got wiped out early. So that was disappointing. But our weakest point in our program is the road courses. We're missing something there and we're working really hard on it together as a team because we're really fast on super speedways, short tracks, and inter intermediates. We're a very well-rounded team now. I don't think we're quite a race-winning um, car. Hopefully, we make some improvements and we can have a shot at it. But uh, other than that, you know, go in there with some good expectations to race smart and come out with a good finish. Now, one thing I've learned from interviewing a lot of you drivers is you guys are athletes. And, and there's a lot of people out there who still come under that scrutiny of, you know what, they're not athletes. They just get in a car and they, they drive around in circles. But can you tell me what kind of workout regimen you go through to prepare yourself every week to get into the car and, and go to all these races that you're in these for hours on end sweating and in these hot temperatures. Yeah. You know, honestly, what's helped me the most is uh, you have to be in good, you know, physical shape 
Uh, you have to be healthy, healthy. You need to eat well, you know, you've got to be very well hydrated, all these things to be prepared for what your body goes through uh, in that three and a half hour uh, window inside the race car. Um, and I shared it, you know, on my social media, just after the class race on the road course, people were blown away by how many calories were burned, how high, how elevated your heart rate gets. You can see where you have cautions where you got to kind of come down a little bit and relax for a minute, then restart come, you know, my heart rate would be up to 180 beats a minute was my max. It would be consistently around 175. Um, and so anyways, and that was a short race. I, I wanted people to keep in mind. So I posted this and I shared some details uh, and people were blown away. I said, here you go. Here's a good example. Because of what you said, people don't quite understand, um, you know, what it takes and what we go through. I, I think uh, my workout program, when I started doing uh, some CrossFit stuff, it actually helped my mental toughness and my mental threshold to be able to block out when you're through going through kind of some misery <laughs> uh, to still stay focused. So that actually changed me completely in the race car and helped a lot. But uh, in the race car, I gave them an example. My strain, it's called, you know, on this uh, whoop, uh you know, fitness tracker. Uh, my strain is, uh, it gives you kind of an indicator of how much you burn, how much recovery is needed for how hard you worked. Uh, when I'll do a CrossFit workout and I weight lift too. So I'll do, you know, like weightlifting. And I would say it's usually around a seven strain is what it's called. What it gives me. Uh, if I do a CrossFit workout, it'd be a 10, maybe a 12 on a really difficult day. And that's hard and extremely intense. Uh, in the class race, which was half the distance of a normal road course race or so. Um, it was a 16.9 strain, almost 1200 calories burned, heart rate max of 180, always consistently under the, in the 170s under green. <laughs> and we have to do this for hours. So it gave people like a, a real eye-opening experience. Before we let you go, if our listeners want to follow you on social media, as you said, maybe keep up with that kind of stuff um, and, and follow what's going on with you and your career and the Woods Brothers, uh, where can they go to keep up with you on the uh, social media world, as the kids like to say? Yeah, uh, on um, you know Instagram uh, and Twitter, my handle is Matt D Racing, and then on Facebook, it's Matt De Benedetto Racing. If uh, yeah, people want to follow along, I also have uh, I do cameo uh, videos where people can book uh, book me and request a shout out yeah, or I saw birthdays did, or whatever. Yeah, I saw that you did some of that for charity as well. Did you not do some of that uh, cameo stuff for some charity work as well? Yeah, so all the uh, money that's raised, if people book, I think it's like $39 or something. If somebody uh, books it and requests a shout out, you know, I do it. And uh, I, I don't, we don't take that money. Uh, whatever is people pay, uh, I take it. And every month we write a check for the exact amount that we raised uh, to our local dog rescue, uh, Hartman's Haven Dog Rescue, where we got our, uh, our dog, Brian, try and raise some awareness to try and get people to consider adopting a dog versus uh, shopping if their situation allows for it. Mr. D. Benedetto, thank you so much for taking the time to join us this week on Southern Race Week Radio. Good luck to you in the season coming up, and hopefully we talk to you again down the road. All righty. Sounds good, man. Thank you. I'm JoJo Wilkinson, driver number 11 with the Pro Light Model from Beautytown, Alabama, and you're listening to Southern Race Week. This week, folks, uh, we had a jam-packed show, and we got to thank y'all for taking time to tune in, telling your family, friends, and cousins and neighbors about Southern Race Week Radio and Southern Race Week on podcast. On your favorite podcast location, just search Southern Race Week and you can find us. And this week, big thanks to uh, Jamie Little for stopping by and talking to Alfie, even though there's a restraining order. Uh, and then also, too, <laughs> Alfie, I slipped that in there for you, buddy. Um, also, 
<laughs> also, big thanks to Ted Allstead. You know, there's so much going on in the short track race and action. All the season's just getting started. And five flags and all the asphalt tracks where the dirt tracks kicked off this past weekend. Asphalt tracks are kicking off this weekend. It's going to be a great 2021 season for them. And Alfie, you had one other guest for us there, brother. Yeah, Matthew Benedetto, nice enough to stop by. He's going to be racing this weekend and looking forward to hopefully seeing him in victory lane. He's been coming. He's come so close to getting so close. In, so close. So hopefully he will get that win in 2021 and get himself in the playoffs. This will be his last year driving the 21 machine. So I'm sure he wants to get a victory before he heads out of that team. Listen, going into this part of the early part of the season and getting a win, knowing that you can rest and relax and not sweat so much for the rest of the year is great. So, listen, I want to thank y'all for tuning in. Check us out on Facebook, Southern Race Week on Facebook, facebook.com slash Southern Race Week. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, so forth, and check us out on the podcast like iHeartRadio. Until next week, I'm William Barber, AKWB. I'm Alfie. Uh, we'll see y'all at a racetrack near you. This is Southern Race Week, driven by Food Depot Grocery Stores. Oh.